Welcome to the Jackson Cloud. I'm Jamin. I'm Casey. And I'm Olivia. That's our last episode before we get to chapter two. She didn't interrupt me. It was a great day. <laughs> uh, at the end of chapter one, I'm going to read a whole paragraph in this episode. Wait, 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 wait. A whole paragraph. We are That's... finishing chapter one? We are finishing chapter one. A whole paragraph. That's Mark this day down. In a single episode the last, so far. The last three episodes were one sentence. Um, but again, I think now that you know all these details, Revelation is just going to start clicking for you as we go throughout. You're like, I already know that. I get it. I can work off these themes. So Jamin hopes. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. This is Jesus in front of John. But he laid his right hand on me saying, fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I'm alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death in Hades. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the golden, seven golden lampstands, seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, seven lampstands are the seven churches. So Jesus right here, like, if you haven't got the metaphor yet, here's the deal, John. Uh, but we're not going to focus on that because we already did our seven lampstands and seven... Uh, 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 Stars. Stars episodes. What we are going to focus on is Jesus being called the living one. He died, but he's alive forever. And he has the keys of death and Hades. All right. And at least in the ESV, I don't know if this is in the original Greek, but death is capitalized here as though it's like a, a being. And you're going to get that feeling throughout Revelation that death is like more than, than like just the thing we do, but it's like a... Grim Reaper confirmed. Thank you. That's what I was going to go for next. <laughs> what is your face wanting to say? Um, how is death a key? Well, I have the keys of death and Hades. Right. Not that death is a key, but these are the keys that belong to death and Hades. Okay. So death is a person. Yes. Yes. Capital D, at least in the ESV. So... This, I think, throws a lot of Christians off because when we think of God, of course, we, we know that he's omnipotent, right? He has all the power. And yet here we have Jesus yoinking the keys of death and... Wait, yoinking? I, like, I just think it's Yoink. hilarious. Jesus dies, he's in uh, the underworld, he's in Hades, and then he yoinks the keys of death. <laughs> like a Homer Simpson moment right there. No, it'd be as good do. Yoink, Scoo. Okay, well, whatever you want to compare it to. Uh, there's this question, though, like... If Isn't he... it Zoinks? Yeah. Is it Zoinks? <laughs> I wasn't going to correct you, but then you made a face at me. <laughs> so... Well, it's because you made a face, so I was curious, so... Okay, yeah, it is Zoinks, you're right. I haven't watched Scooby-Doo in a while. What happens here is interesting to me, though. God is omnipotent, and yet in this moment... Jesus takes the keys of death in Hades, which implies he defeated death. Well, also that he didn't have them before type thing. Mm, right. So this is where I think it becomes a rather elaborate conversation about the spiritual realm to try to understand what's going on here. And I think the Bible has a lot to say of it, but you have to connect a lot of lines. Death wasn't part of the original plan. Uh, yeah. 
it wasn't a part of God's plan, right? Right. The idea was that we live in in uh, Garden of Eden and we eat from the tree of life and we live forever. I don't know if we can necessarily say that death didn't already exist, because if we didn't have access to the tree of life, what would happen? Well, we'd probably die. I, I feel like part of what the Bible was doing is like, if you want to live forever, you stay in God's presence and you stay obedient. If you're not, then you don't have access to the tree of life. But you are correct. Like death was not a part of God's plan. He wanted us to live in his presence, be obedient, live forever. We didn't do that. And as a consequence, we then were kicked out of the garden where we no longer had access uh, to the tree of life, which now means we're handed over to what exists outside of that, which is death. Sorry, whenever we talk about death, I start to go to supernatural route. Which has lots of episodes on death, so it's very weird. Well, uh, when we look at this story, I think uh, uh, it just becomes very interesting. Uh, I think uh, I think Hebrews is actually going to call. Uh, going to check Hebrews two fourteen. Uh, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood he himself likewise partook of the same things Jesus partook of flesh and blood that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death that is the devil and deliver all those through fear of death who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery so uh, you do see um, even Hebrews itself saying like death belonged with Satan like that was his realm, his territory. Now, how do we get there biblically? Well, there's this pattern as whenever God creates things, hmm. the devil isn't able to create himself, so he takes the things that God created and then he twists them into something new. Hmm. So I think maybe, and maybe I'm too far in saying this, but one thing that just kind of makes sense to me is God creates life, so the devil come in, comes in and twists it and creates death. Yeah, I mean, that could be one way to think of it. Um, what other ways might we throw in there, too? Because then it becomes a question, did, like, Satan create death or did he um, take, take control of it? And I, I don't know. He's got the power of it. Hebrews said that. I mean, for me, when I think of death, I think of like the four horsemen of the apocalypse, mm -hmm. which death is one of the horsemen. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we'll do a whole episode on four horsemen. That, that one's... <laughs> right. That one's intense and confusing. Um, uh, but uh, when, when you have keys to something, like... Just analogically, metaphorically, what does that mean? Like for us, even today, control, like control, territory, uh, ownership, ownership. Yep, uh, I have keys to my house, to my car. Those things I'm in charge of. I can walk in freely. Uh, I belong there. <laughs> things that don't have keys don't belong there, type thing. Um, and so, Satan has the keys to death. And Hades, like, how did he get those? Uh, Olivia uh, given us this, like, he's twisted these things. Where, where did he twist it? Well, I mean, 
God sent him out of his realm, heaven, mm. and so sent him not where he created earth, but to another spot. So would this be actually a realm that God gave the devil, in a sense? Uh, gave the devil, or did he take it? That kind of becomes part of the That question. is quite the question. Because if we think back to the Garden of Eden, we run into Satan where? At the tree, with mm-hmm. the serpent, right? And we don't know that Satan at the time in the Old Testament. John in Revelation is going to say that the serpent was Satan. So he's going to like bookend it for us to be like, surprise, you're wondering who that, that serpent was, who the original offender was, who messed everything up. It's Satan. It's the devil. So uh, at that time, the serpent is at a sacred spot in God's divine council because wherever God is, there his divine council is. God I mean, even rests, in his presence too. Yeah, and God rests in Eden, and then here is um, uh, all the other beings of the heavens here in Eden too. And it seems like this serpent maybe has been either assigned to protect the tree of knowledge of good and evil, or maybe not. Uh, maybe he's just trying to tempt them to check it out because he knows they're not supposed to do that. I know when we think of the serpent, we think of like just a snake, but there's more going on there, like serpents there are heavenly serpents (laughs) seraphim are fiery serpents is what the word seraphim means so like serpents is well thought of also as like a angelic being of sorts uh ezekiel is going to say that um satan was a cherubim living in the garden of eden that things were good with him until he got too proud of his beauty and then uh, uh, he committed violence, is what he says. And it seems like the violence that we see in Eden is that he rips apart like the cosmos. He rips apart the way that things were supposed to work. Humans were supposed to pursue life. They were supposed to be in the Garden of Eden. They were supposed to be in God's presence. But Satan then convinces them to eat from this tree, the one thing that they're not supposed to do, and the whole thing gets ripped apart. What have they essentially done when they choose to follow Satan? They've almost like chosen to follow a false god, right? I mean, another word that you can use for divine beings in ancient cultures, including in the Bible, is... Little g-gods. Little g-gods. So here is God, the one true God, Yahweh, in Eden, in his holy temple, in this heavenly place on the earth... And then here's the other little g-gods who, if they're doing what they're supposed to do, are supposed to point them back to Yahweh. Don't eat from that tree, right? But instead, one of them invites them in and says, come come check this out. And what uh, the Bible says that he was essentially trying to do in that moment, or at least at some point, whether it was that moment or another moment, Isaiah says that he was trying to usurp God's throne. Uh, It pictures Satan as a a bright star, and then God is the brightest star. And Isaiah says that this less bright star tried to take over the throne of the brightest star. So like little g God Satan, if you will, which the New Testament, most, uh, a lot of scholars are going to say that Paul calls, uh, calls Satan the little g God of this world, which throws a lot of people off because you're like, well, no, God's the God of the world. Well, yes, but as far as like 
exercising their domain still in this age, like Satan's holding on to a lot of it as like a little G God. That's why we die is because he hasn't been eradicated yet. Um, so Satan seems to like take control, tries to overthrow the throne. But then what happens? God sends the star down, not just out of space, but all the way to the earth and not just to the earth, but all the way under the earth. So that now that being, he's a powerful being, sure. But where is his power now located? Under the earth. Not at the highest of heights of everything. It's at the, the lowest, lowest of lows. lows. Yeah. So, in old cosmology, we've talked a lot about how here's the earth, here's a snow globe over it, here's the heavens. We have not talked about that other tier. And there's this other tier in ancient times of the underworld. This is why you buried people in their thinking. Is like you were putting them into that other domain where everyone goes when they die. Death is underground. And there's like this whole Coco thing going on, if you will. Not in the sense of like Pixar's Coco entirely, but in that sense of like they go on to continue living down there type mm -hmm. thing. And that's completely outside of the way that we think. We think are just like kind of honoring our dead. But uh, part of the reason that you thought about doing it in that way was you were sending them to the underworld. That's part of the reason that you buried them with their stuff was in the hopes that they would take that with them. Because they like those things. <laughs> uh, that messes with our heads because then we're like, well, aren't they spirits? In their minds, that's not even really the way they thought about it. Like, it was still like the entirety of that person was being sent to the underworld. And that really messes with us today. But, like, they were turned over to death. And the domain of death is the underworld, which is called... Sheol. Sheol. In the Old Testament... And in the New Testament, in Greek, it's called... Hell? Nope. Hades. Now, those are the same place. Neither of those are hell. Hell comes at the end of Revelation. We're not going to do that episode today, but in my opinion, hell, like, theologically, still has not come into existence yet. The lower tier is Hades slash Sheol. And the, the, the point of Hades and Sheol was like, in, in uh, Old Testament thinking, and I'd say in New Testament thinking too, that was where everybody went when they died. Whether you were good or bad. Like, in the Old Testament, they had this hope that if you died, you might go to be with God, but nobody really, like, knew for sure. There are some Psalms where it's like, they seem to think maybe they do, but for the most part, they all seem to have this understanding, like, we're all going to die. And we're going to be turned over to death and to that domain of Hades slash Sheol. And that's where we all go. Now, fortunately, Jesus told us that's not the case. That that hope that, like, if we really follow God, we'll go to heaven to be with him until we come back for the new creation. Uh, Jesus made that clear. When he looks to the thief on the cross next to him and says, what? Today you'll be with me in paradise. Implying, like, we're not going to the resurrection today, but you will come to heaven to be with me today. And, and things like that. But the Old Testament didn't have that thinking. It was just like, when we all die, we are all turned over to death because death is in charge of this world and nobody can escape it. We all die. Now, if you have that kind of thinking, then Satan is a very powerful being in your mind, right? Yeah, he was a powerful being in the heavens and a good guy at one point. 
then just like humans can turn on God, he turned on God. He was sent to the lowest of lows. Is that not what happens to a serpent too? What a clever animal to use as an example. Like, okay, your punishment is not just that, like, you're cast out of Eden to the ground. I'm literally going to cut your legs off. <laughs> so, like, you are as close to the dirt as you can possibly be. Like, you can't even get a little bit of distance off of it. And so, like, you get that you get that seraphim vibe from it, that divine being vibe, but you also get this animalistic, like, shoved to the lowest of lows. Um, does Satan seem to exercise, show power uh, in the New Testament when he shows up against Jesus? He has the power of temptation. Power of temptation. He also has one of his specific temptations was what? Power. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. Over the entire world. G uh, Satan takes Jesus up on a mountain, lets him see the cosmos, if you will. It's like, if you bow down and worship me, I'll give that to you. How does Jesus respond? They say, you can't do that. <laughs> no, Jesus doesn't refute that that's an actual it, thing. Yeah, because, because it's called a what? Temptation. It's a temptation. And it's not much of a temptation if it's not like... If it in, can't be granted. Yeah, in, in some way. I mean, usually you find out like, of course, if Jesus would have given into that, he would have found out the lies of like... You know, he's been trapped in some way of not really having power because Satan's always lying. But he does not refute Satan that he has control over the world because he does. He's the little G God of the world. Everybody dies, and so we are all under, to some extent, the control of, of uh, an evil enemy that is keeping an eye out over the whole world. And Jesus' temptation to take control in a different way is on the table throughout his entire narrative. It's on the table when Satan shows up and says, look, you're here for the world, right? I'll give it to you. Just worship me. It's on the table when Peter's like, Jesus, you're not going to die. And he rebukes him and says, get behind me, Satan. Because in that moment, Jesus knew like dying is the way he takes control over the world unless he follows Satan's temptation to do it that way. When Jesus is in the Garden of Eden... He prays, God, if there's another way we can go about it, let's do it that way. But if not, your will be done. Jesus is literally in a garden. It's the Garden of Eden all over again. I can follow the serpent and his wisdom that will lead to more death and more pain. Or I can follow God's wisdom and I can usurp Satan and actually take all the power. Now, why do we die? Why were we given over to death? Not just because we worship Satan, but like, what is the curse upon us that we have to face death? Sin. Sin. So, Satan is in a way like the leader of all sin, the leader of all death, because he's like the initial one who brought that on humanity. All the more reason why he's been put in charge of it, if you will. What did Jesus not do? Sin. He didn't sin. Hebrews is going to say that itself. So, when Satan, who is the leader of death, enters into Judas and kills Jesus, what did Satan do? Sinned? Well, well, yeah, yeah. 
He's pretty good at that in general. But he overstepped his bounds. This was the one human being he was not allowed to kill. And what did he do? Killed him. He killed him. Now Jesus cannot die because he does not have the curse of sin upon him. So when Satan brings him back to Hades, brings him to the underworld, brings him to the realm of the dead where all the, the Bible's going to talk about all the dead giant spirits being down here, the Rephaim, all the demons being down here, but also, uh, you know, if you think Old Testament, you think anyone who ever died down here. If you think New Testament, you think anyone who uh, uh, didn't follow Jesus down here. When Satan tries to bring Jesus to that same place, oh, it, it doesn't gives, work. It gives me shivers just to think about that moment, you know? Three days and nights and in the belly of hell, in the underworld. And then, like, it says that he went up to the angels who... He goes to the spirits in chains and ministers to them is what most Bibles say. But what the Bible is actually painting, in my opinion here, as some scholars have said, is Jesus goes up to the angels that, uh, in Genesis 6, had sex with human beings and then gave rise to the giants of old. Jesus goes to them because in the book of Enoch, these are the spirits in chains, in Tartarus is what Peter says. And uh, um, he proclaims to them, not ministered to them, but proclaims to them is a better way of saying it, that your judgment is still coming. Just like Enoch told you that your judgment is still coming, here's Jesus. And they're thinking, these are the, they, in the Old Testament, these guys were called the sons of God, right? So here's the sons of God. And they look at the Son of God and they're like, we killed you. And like in that moment, oh, I, just, I want the tape. <laughs> you imagine Jesus just being like, yeah, no, uh, <laughs> hey guys, I'm, I'm God. <laughs> you know? And um, I know that just out of your cycle of domination, you just killed me like any other human being. But if you would have paid attention and checked the records... <laughs> You would have seen like, oh, there's no sin on my particular list. And yet you still brought me down here. Yoink. <laughs> That's the moment. You know, like going up to Satan. Jesus moving through the underworld as though like no one can stop him. Demons not getting in his way. And then going up to Satan, taking the keys of, of sin and death and Hades. And then be like, peace out. And then just puts on a resurrected body <laughs> goes up to earth and then it's like hey guys peace out and then <laughs> gets in a cloud and goes up into heaven you know like this is this is an amazing story and uh paul says that if the principalities and powers in other words the demonic false gods of this world if they had any idea what they were doing when they killed jesus they wouldn't have, have done, done it, it. <laughs> Yeah, like they literally, it, the cross is a Trojan horse. It's putting Jesus up on, <laughs> on the cross, and Jesus knows what Satan loves to do, right? He tried to do it from day one. Jesus is born, Satan's like, Herod, kill him, right? Right. He didn't die, but now he's got him on a cross through Judas, and he's thinking, I did it. And Jesus I is. I finally won. Yeah, got and, him. And Jesus is thinking, you did it. <laughs> you know, like, this is, ex I set you up. Like, you had no idea. We prophesied about this, and you still missed it. You, you thought, oh, the way that Oh, you Satan thought I was done? Things. You've fallen from my trap card. Yeah, Walt, Walter Wink calls it, like, 
uh, Satan works in a domination cycle. It's cycle after cycle after cycle of just completely dominating uh, violence, anger, aggression, all these things. And Jesus knows that. And so eventually, it's almost like just the cross is spreading your arms out saying, come at me. You're right? Like, I know exactly what you'll do if I make myself vulnerable. And when they do that, Jesus then goes to Hades <laughs> and is like, okay, thanks for opening the door. <laughs> I'll take those keys now, and now I'm out. And you can just imagine, like, Satan's mind at that moment. Thousands of years he's killed people. <laughs> None of them have ever walked out the front door after. Right. And this one just did. Like, it's no wonder the Bible says that, that Satan... Uh, is is uh, uh, now trying to kill us all because so, he's angry at, at, at what happened. <laughs> so what you're saying is death is 99.99% effective. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> death is 99.9% effective. Yeah. Uh, and that that's just... You're going to see Hades continue to show up throughout this. You're going to see um, at the end, Jesus on the day of the Lord, when that day of judgment finally comes up, it's like he picks up Hades like it's a box and empties it out in front of the throne to then declare judgment over it all. There's also It also says that he emptied out the seas and declared judgment over that. I'm not fully sure why that is, but in my guess, I would say, and I saw one commentator say this, um, that if you died on land, you went to the underworld of land, and if you died in the sea, maybe you went to like... Mm. Still Davy the Jones locker. Yeah, yeah. Still the underworld, if you will, but like in their cosmic thinking, they might have been thinking different. that it's like a different department. Just like Peter talks about the the angels from Genesis 6 were in a different department of the underworld called Tartarus, which was where the, um, in Greek literature, it's where the Titans were locked up. So Peter just takes like Greek thinking and being like, these were the mighty ones of old. They got locked up in the same place that Greeks think like the mighty ones are locked up. So, yeah, there is Hades, there is Sheol, but there's also different degrees within that cosmology, if you will. And it's not like necessarily physical location, right? Because we're talking about a spiritual realm, but it's something. It's not like if we dug down deep enough, we would find hell. <laughs> Unless that's what the core of the earth actually is. But. I mean, it is molten lava. Yeah. Uh, but hell again. Lake of fire. <laughs> hell again, though. Like, that. that's not what's going on. We're talking about the underworld. Hell is the lake of fire that seems to extinguish. Not, not a place that people go to, like... We'll get into that later. Uh, but yeah, this this is... This is the story of the cross we just talked about. <laughs> is this what you're used to hearing at church? Well, yes. Well, because you hear me say it. But well, like, no, most churches talk about the story of the cross kind of a lot. Well, yeah, okay. The story usually, of the usually every Easter. But usually, at least for like 15 years of my life, it was the cross every week, and it represented the fact that I'm forgiven. Yeah. This is a huge narrative in the Bible. That most grown adult Christians still are not fully aware of. To the point that when we sing songs about this in church, like death in his grave, things like that, people are like, okay, what is this about? <laughs> it's like, well, it's the gospel is what, what it is. Right. It's about how Jesus overthrew death 
and put it in its grave. Death is dead now, you know. And Jesus now has the keys of death in Hades. So that power which had been allotted to Satan has now been taken back, right? Uh, and now Jesus is going to end up exercising that in here. If you have the keys of death in Hades, you can do away with death, which Jesus is ultimately going to do at the end, where death itself dies. Uh, where all that kind of stuff is like thrown into the lake of fire too. So it's not like Hades being thrown in Hades or hell being thrown into hell. It's like the lake of fire that extinguishes stuff. Let's take death and put that in there. Okay, you can't die anymore. Go ahead and try to jump off something. It won't work, you know. Uh, let's go ahead and take uh, Hades and throw that in there. Okay, you can't go to Hades anymore because that's gone too. So like the fullness of getting rid of that entire realm of the cosmos and the new creation, that's what's ahead of us. So it's a really cool, epic story. People often think of Jesus in like a white clothes, Swedish hair, hippie like guy, you know, and they miss like the whole like epic. Wait, where does the Swedish hair come from? I was from? quoting Rob Bell from something. Okay. <laughs> and he's Swedish is what Rob Bell says. Uh, but uh, we take all that and we're like, eh. Not a lot of cool stuff, but like this story's cool. It's like when you told the whole story and the overthrow of like the little G God of this world in a way in which he didn't see it coming. Like uh, Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe tried to tell this for us a while back, right? Uh, the witch kills Satan. Kills. <laughs> kills the lion. The witch kills the lion, the Jesus figure of Narnia. And little does she know... She just signed her own death warrant because Aslan then comes back to life and says, what? If only the witch knew of a much deeper magic that uh, she was unaware of, she would not have realized what she had done. Which I love that statement because it is this kind of theology of like, if only Satan knew what he was doing, he wouldn't have done it. But it's also this like C.S. Lewis, like, I feel like he still doesn't fully. <laughs> I'll just call it deeper magic because it's hard to tell. Like, how did that work? <laughs> right. I'm trying to give us like some of the ideas uh, as to how that might have worked. And I think the sinless human piece, I would say that that's a piece of it. Uh, so with that being said, we're going to close out from this episode a little differently than we usually do. I recently, just last week, wrote a song that literally tells everything we just talked about, including the C.S. Lewis part. Uh, so we'll close out with a little song to, to wrap up today's episode. That's why you got your guitar out. I can't play that song. That, <laughs> thing. that thing's too broken. With that, we'll catch you guys next time.